Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, as always, Mike Abadir. This is Thursday, April 15th, 2021. It is Jackie Robinson Day all around the Major League Baseball stadiums. You'll see players donning the coveted, the retired, the holy, in terms of baseball, number 42. This is a number that's synonymous with everything from athleticism and on through civil rights. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Today's show, we are going to mainly talk baseball, but we'll also get to a little bit of NBA, a little bit of horse racing, recapping from the past weekend. Great guest lineup, as usual, we have for you guys. We've got... Pop DiBiase that's going to be joining us in a few short minutes. And then Matthew Corey to talk about the Red Hot Red Sox. And I think that's a good starting point. We'll get to Jackie Robinson in one moment. But, Gino, the Red Sox, last show, if you remember, I was feeling very, very bearish on them. Um, You know, they'd gone through a terrible opening series against the Orioles. And... I uh, I would say it's very rare for me, Gino, that in one week my opinion rapidly flips. It just doesn't happen in baseball. You know what I mean? But I think I've seen enough from their pitching staff, and that was the one question mark that you and I both had, to think that this could be a playoff team, and I'm almost ready to change my pick. Almost. Yeah, I, I think they're... They, we can definitely say they're a, a playoff team because the the way they're hitting the ball, no doubt, and they're they're um, they're pitching. Well, because the thing about this is, um, it's not been like their pitching is like a top two pitching staff right now, where we're going, okay, this is not going to sustain. Their pitching has been exactly what they needed to be in order to be this kind of successful. So right now, when you look at the Red Sox, they won nine games in a row before they uh, losing earlier today. So they're nine and four now, second best record in baseball. And when you look at their their pitching stats, right, they've got the 16th best whip, the 11th best ERA, and they're 14 in opponents' batting average. That does not seem like something that is unsustainable for them. And then when you look at the uh, the offensive numbers, second in batting average, second in runs, fourth in on base percentage, that is what we talked about. They needed to be a top five team in order to offset the mediocre pitching. Now, if their pitching was 28, 28, 30 at, in some of those major categories, they wouldn't have a shot. But if they were, and, and you would think that they maybe could come back a little bit to the middle, but you would, with with their question marks about their pitching staff, we'd be worried that that might just be who they are. Um, and if and I think if, if they were, like I said, towards the top, you would say, okay, they're not going to hold up. That's why this feels sustainable is because their pitching has been, like a, a little better than what what you would hope. Nothing crazy, and that' why it feels like I think they will be able to be a five, a better than five hundred team, a team that's a wild card team and possibly a division winner. To me, and I'm rambling, but to me, the uh, the next week 
is really important because I think you don't want to go back to a situation where you lose four or five games and then you're right back to 500. I think you want to stay and hover around that like four or five games over 500 range for as long as you can because the teams behind you are struggling right now. So just start to play some like 500 ball for a while and keep that margin you have. Um, Like you got to look around and just say maintain that cushion. Right, like this is huge for them to to get this kind of a uh, a massive start to the season for a team that was going to be like hovering around the middle. So they they had as good of a start as I think anybody could have uh, could have imagined. They wouldn't have been, you know, thirteen and zero or fourteen and zero or something like that. But you know, nine and four is a damn good way to start. Yeah, a couple of very very quick thoughts, and then want to bring in Pop and get his uh, take on it. The the thing is this. When you look, when you when you rattle off the numbers as you just did, it sounds like a middle of the road pitching staff, very average. Here's what I'll tell you though: a lot of those numbers were a little bit skewed from the opening series against the Orioles. Now in baseball, things even out, so we could say, well, they're going to have some Orioles series and they're going to have some hot streaks, and they'll probably sit around the middle. Maybe the nine-game winning streak was very interesting. There was every single starter got to at least the five-inning mark, many of them to the seven-inning mark. The most runs given up by a starter during the winning streak was four earned runs. Most of them were either zero, two, or three. I think there was one, four. So they got good starting pitching, and that was the biggest concern. I felt the bullpen was uh, enough intact enough to be able to at least be very competitive and keep them in ball games, uh, in close games, and win those late, perhaps, with their hitting. But the starting pitching has impressed me quite a bit. The other thing that I was really, really quickly going to say is that a couple of the guys that probably needed to redeem themselves a little bit have done so. J.D. Martinez. At the top of the list is is J.D. Martinez, of course. So let's bring in Pop DiBiase. He is the man when it comes to handicapping and delivering winners with horse racing in baseball. I've seen it myself, guys. In basketball, too, by the way. I've seen it myself. Pop. Hey, Pop. How are you, How are you, buddy? What's up, brothers? What's going on? I hope everybody's feeling good, feeling great, because that's how I'm feeling today. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm totally hearing you guys on the Red Sox and everything like that. And um, the Red Sox, I think that the Red Sox had a little bit of a, a spring training uh, hangover in a sense, you know. And you got to understand, a team like Baltimore with no expectations, they come out, and they're a little pumped up. You know what I mean? You got a lot of guys that's making their major league debut and finally getting full time up at the, um, up at the show. And, you know, I think Boston just kind of had to get, get into the swing of things a little bit. And uh, once they kind of got a reality check that, hey, we're here, in the May, we're here in the season and everything has to move forward accordingly, then, things, then uh, they pick themselves up. As I always say, when you're dealing with division rivals, you got to be ready for these teams to beat up on you a little bit. Even if they're not going to be right there with you in the race, you got to be ready for them because they have the max scouting report. And so when you have a good scouting report on a team, you, you, you'll just know how to go ahead and beat them in, um, you know, an opening series like that, a uh, series that might be pretty much meaningless um, at the end of the year. Maybe it might be because, you know, some of these series are pretty key to some of these teams getting to the playoffs even early in the year. So that's my uh, two cents on that right there with the Red Sox. I, I know it's just so early in the season, but I did expect the Red Sox to be a much better team this season than they were last season. Well, they were 
one of the worst teams in baseball last year. So, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I think that was yeah, a very reasonable you expectation. You can only look up. <laughs> you can only look up from there. Absolutely. So <laughs> right. we're going to be talking a lot about the Red Sox today. And they've got, uh, you know, Gino, you were talking about the upcoming period of time here and how the, the you know, emphasizing the importance of that. They've got a 10-game home stand coming up. It's the longest homestand of the season, so I agree with you fully. And we'll we'll talk a lot of Red Sox today. Obviously, we've got a Red Sox beat reporter, Matthew Corey, coming up in the next segment. But I want to talk a little bit about Jackie Robinson, guys. Um, you know, sometimes when you have these annual things, whether it be like 9-11, you know, uh, remembrances or maybe even Christmas, Easter, whatever. You, you kind of have a lot of the same stories recounted and brought up, you know, uh, about Jackie Robinson, you know, over and over and over again. You know, he was great at all four sports, let, uh, in four sports, lettered in four sports at UCLA, you know, broke the color barrier, so on and so forth. But it kind of has a new feel over the last probably year or so. What what do you think is the significance today? Because I feel that it's a lot stronger than it was five years ago, Pop. Well, I think Jackie Robinson Day is just is a Matt. It's just a, a day in a sense that everybody who was shunned away from some type of sport or situation, they can look to that 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 day is one of the most important days, and not just in sports, but just in in history in general and that's what they always uh, that's what they always put it as Jackie Robinson's day was never just a sports fact you know what I mean it was always a historic fact if you you know you guys Black History Month it's one of the highlights of Black History Month and me being from Pasadena California just like Jackie it's like Jackie is the 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 essence and the the athlete and the person that you you strive to be when you're coming from Pasadena, California, and that's for all races in a sense because he was that much of an icon to all of us here in the city and then they're all over the world as well too. So Jackie Robinson to me just always represents strength, but I know what you mean, Mike, with everything happening over the uh, last year and everything with the protests and all the, um, you know, and all the uh, new – with all the, the fight that's going on and everything like that, it makes it more significant that what Jackie was up against the odds and everything like that because he was up against a way tougher uh, battle than most of us will ever, ever witness in our lives and things of that nature. We're actually in a pretty good spot compared to where Jackie was at, you know, not being able to use the bathroom in certain uh, restaurants or not being able to stay with his teammates when they were in Florida as well, too. You guys saw the movie, you know, and there was a lot of issues with that as well, too. So, And Jackie endured, and he showed the strength, and that's what it's all always about. I think Jackie Robinson Day is about the strength of, of a man, and then it's the strength of a, of a movement that pretty much, you know, has, that's keeping on, Keeping it all moving, you know what I mean? The movement is moving, as I always say on my show. So that's pretty much my two cents on it. And Jackie Robinson, I already had a, a nice little uh, word bar about him on my show as well, too. And, you know, Jackie Robinson was significant, was very significant, but people always forget about his brother, Matt, who also was an Olympic uh, teammate of Jesse Owens, who was also in another controversial situation as well, too. And they won a gold medal as well. So Jackie Robinson... Is 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 such an icon in the sense that 
he can overshadow so many people, but he even has people in his own family who were able to overcome the odds and the um and uh either bigotry of the world and everything like that. So I think that's just a beautiful thing in a sense, and that's my two cents on that. That's uh, well said, Gino. You know, yeah, I think no, it I only could have happened in baseball. Yeah, right? because um, as far as like the like how the sport was, the history. Yeah, of like the sport. if he was an NFL player, NBA, if even NBA was around back then, like it wouldn't have had the same kind of weight as baseball. Because yeah, I think I mean, it was Bill, baseball, Bill Russell boxing. dealt with yeah, like Bill Russell dealt with a lot of stuff, but Bill Russell was playing. You know, it was um, it was a little different. Um, but what, yeah, like five to ten years later, or yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he he dealt with um, what what was just. Uh, I mean, uh, we we can't even imagine. We can't even begin to comprehend. And uh, it, it is amazing that this is something that still does seem like a big deal every single year. And uh, I congratulate you know Major League Baseball for uh, making it feel like a big deal every single year. Because as Pop said, uh, you know, brilliantly, it it is a massive deal, and it's way bigger than just a sport thing. This is a a history, a world, a humanity thing. So. Um, yeah, you know, this is uh, something that puts a smile on my face every day. And I was just looking at the the statue that they've kind of uh, refinished and retouched up outside of Dodger Stadium. They put it even in like a better location there, the statue of Jackie sliding. So uh, that's a that's a cool one. Every time I head over to a Dodger game, I get to I get to check that out. I like the that you use the word world, Gino, and Pop was kind of getting at this as well, which is that. It's for everybody. And when you look at baseball, there really isn't a sport in America. I guess you could maybe say basketball that's as global in terms of representation within the sport itself. I mean, I don't even know what percentage of rosters nowadays um, are made up of Americans versus non-Americans. I'm not even going to begin to speculate. But I know Latin world, Asia in particular, the floodgates have really, really been opened and it's given us a tremendous brand of baseball. And let's face it, guys, it's given generational wealth to a lot of people from some pretty poor countries. And what I like a lot is how many of those guys have invested in their homeland and done a lot of good, a lot of good with some of their earnings. So not everybody's a good guy, of course, but I've seen a lot, you know, the Pedro Martinez's of the world and guys like that who are humanitarians. Remember Roberto Clemente, obviously, dating back to uh, the 60s. Uh, actually, I think he passed away in the plane crash in 71 or sometime around there. But uh, all, all happening because of Jackie Robinson. So, Pop, what are some of, I know some of the games have started. What are some of the plays that you're kind of keen on whether it be in tonight's docket for the remainder of uh, the baseball card, uh, maybe you got a horse running tomorrow at Santa Anita. Uh, where, where are you looking, and, and what's what kind of tickles your fancy right now? Well, Santa Anita is actually off tomorrow due to um, the turf course being fixed right now. They're fixing oh, all that's the right. and everything like that. Just Saturday, so Sundays back, for the next. So yep. 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 And I'm then next yeah, week we'll be back right. to Friday through through Sunday because I was gonna go yet yeah, I was gonna go for Fridays uh, Fridays races as well too but the you know the divot situation everything like that so we will be setting up on a Saturday and I don't have anything yet for the horses but you guys make sure to watch horsing around tomorrow and I'll have that situated for you because I'm still in the form right now but it looks like there's gonna be a pretty good first race of the day as well too so I look forward to that but. 
I'm looking at tonight's card when we look at the um, MLB and everything like that. Um, I do have some uh, things in place right here that I have from the show earlier. And um, do you guys want anything from the NBA as well, too? Because I'll give you my dog of the night. Sure, NBA, yeah. That's going to be the Hawks. Definitely. That's going to be the Hawks tonight in the Bucks game because you got to understand the Bucks playing really good basketball at this point. But you have to factor in the fact that you have a very, very hot Atlanta team. Nobody talking about Atlanta. Atlanta has won 16 out of their last 21 games, okay? And Trey Young is coming back tonight after missing two games as well, too. And I think that the Bucks are a team that usually when they run into a spot like this one where they're going against another team that's kind of hot, they'll, they might fold a bit. And they've had their issues against uh, teams that score at a high, uh, at a high, uh, at a high um, clip in the Eastern Conference as well, too. As you can see, they can't even get paid. They, they're having issues with a team like Charlotte, who's one of the worst scoring teams in the league. But when it comes down to them, they'll, they'll play them pretty well because they're defense, right? So pretty much um, when you look at this Atlanta team, you can say to yourself, okay, Atlanta should have a good shot tonight. They have their best player back as well, too. And they're giving us a, a, a solid uh, number here with the plus 155. It was 165 before, you know, the betters get to it. And I would say that by the time we get to tip, that game should at least be probably at probably plus 145 or 140 because I know that a lot of that late money is going to go in on the Hawks because I know a lot of people might be thinking like me because, you know, you there's not many, there's a lot of dogs at home tonight except for Phoenix. Everybody, there's three dog, three, dog, three home dogs tonight, and um, I think the Hawks present the best possibility. Now, when it comes down to covering tonight, the Lakers should be good on covering tonight because the Lakers always play the Celtics well. It does not matter. Me, Gino, and Mike could go suit up for the Lakers tonight, and I think we could still cover the spread. Put that purple and gold on, and we're playing, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's all good stuff. Yeah, look, look, I I actually want to go there, which is the Lakers. Let's take a quick commercial break. I'm going to make a quick observation about the Lakers. Then I'm just going to step aside and let you and Gino talk it out because I'm, I got to say, I'm pretty impressed that the Laker team has really, really overcome a lot of adversity and is showing me quite a bit. So let's take it from there. And if you short moments, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back more with Pop DiBiase, Mike Avedere, and Gino Bacola after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. 
the Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, we're talking with Pop DiBiase. Uh, we're talking Mike Abadir, Gino Vocola, and we're all now into the Lakers. And, uh, you know, during the break, we were all chopping it up about how impressive the Lakers have been without Anthony Davis and LeBron. And, uh, you know, we can pinpoint some players here and there who have stepped up a little bit and played well. But overall, the one sort of determining factor that uh, it is, it's defense. And Pop was mentioning, uh, you know, Pop, that I think a lot of the defense uh, comes with familiarity, comfortability, pl- uh, a lot of players that, um, you know, we know, they knew the Vogel system last year. And when you look at some of the really good defensive players for the Lakers, uh, guys like Caruso, guys like Kuzma, who have come a long way on the defensive end, he used to be heckled. And now he's one of our better defenders. Uh, KCP, they they're very good, versatile defenders, and they are just, they're able to help every night make it a consistent team that's going to go out there a consistent effort right and I think that the Lakers the the light bulb for defense turned on in the bubble last year and I think it turned on when we played the Blazers in the first series because if you look at it we had a terrible first game with the Blazers because there was no accountability at the end of the night with Lillard and you know letting him do what he wanted to do but when the Lakers figured out exactly how to come about it, you know, run as many bodies at Lillard as possible and make sure he's not the one beating you. And once they got to that mentality, they, everything pretty much fell into place because uh, Carmelo Anthony's too old now to take over a game the way that he would take over a game when he was on the, the Nuggets or on the Knicks. So it really was pretty much the biggest factor to me in making ensuring that the Lakers – we're going to make a great playoff run because everybody had the Blazers pegged as that team that could beat the Lakers in the playoffs and beat them early. And it wound up, you know, backfiring hugely. And I don't know why anybody would think like that when you got AD, when he was on the, uh, the uh, Pelicans, he single-handedly beat the Blazers by himself in a playoff series. So, you know, with that thinking, and I think the Lakers, the Lakers heard that buzz and they stepped up their defense because that was the biggest question mark for the Laker team at that point. And now the big, the, the, the biggest question mark is about the big man. But now we've, we've right in that situation with bringing in uh, with Drummond. So, you know, that's my two cents on the, the defensive end right there. And, you know, you can't go anywhere in this league without playing great defense. And it all leads back to Frank Vogel, a guy that knows how to coach up a bunch of 
just useful players and get them to, you know, buy into his defensive sets. He did it all the time in Indiana, especially when at times when you had uh, Paul George out as well, too. Good stuff there, Pop. Give our listeners where they can tune in to catch both your show and your your, your handicap, sports handicapping show, your horse racing show, and all the good stuff you put together <laughs> and how they can get in on your packages. You know, my horse racing show, my basketball show, my boxing show, my show about planning, you know, all that good stuff. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so pretty much you guys can catch me on Prime Wave Media. Um, on the YouTube, and you guys can check out all my content there. Um, I am live daily from 12 to 1 o'clock um, on Prime Wave Media and also on my face, uh, Facebook um, and on the Primetime Angle Show Facebook as well, too, and also on my Twitter on the po- at PopDBIC. You guys can catch me from 12 to 1. Mike is usually on our show on Wednesdays as well, too. We're going to get Gina on here. Very yes, soon, sir. as well as if you had some time for me, absolutely. And uh, pretty much, uh, we're gonna get Gino on here as well too. It's a it's a long overdue situation, but he knows why. Uh, so pretty much, um, yeah, you guys can catch me there, and then you guys also uh, try to catch horsing around every Friday and Saturday um, and Sunday as well too. Because usually, if we have a Sunday card, it will be available. I mean, um, if we have a Friday through Sunday, it'll be available, but. I'm going to be doing a show tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, for you guys on a pre-recorded set. But I'm going to run the shows back on Saturday and Sunday as well, too. So that's horsing around for you guys. And um, pretty much, if you guys are looking into getting your horse bets on and everything like that, just go ahead and um, watch the show. And I got you guys taken care of. That show is presented by Stable Duel as well, too. Um, so you guys can get in there, and um, all my Stable Duel players, you guys can get score some big fantasy points and all that good stuff. So. I look forward to it, and if you guys have any questions, you guys can always reach out to me on the Twitter, at PopDiBiase, or you guys can hit me up on Instagram, DiBiaseWave underscore, and I'll definitely go ahead and I'll reach back out to you and everything like that. But it's always a pleasure getting with uh, Mike and Gino. You guys are the absolute best. I love talking sports with you, but, you know, I know that you guys got others coming in and everything like that, so I thank you guys so much for letting me be, be a part of the show today, and I'll look forward to our next rendezvous. Honor Have a good one, you, man. man. Always. Thank you. That right, is yeah. Pop DiBiase, the primetime handicapper. Always appreciative of having him come on the show with us. Also appreciative of having our next guest come on with us because he hits a soft spot in my heart, which is covering the Boston Red Sox. Talking, of course, about guest of ours who's come on many times over the last few years, Matthew Corey. Matt, good afternoon. Hey, how Matt. are you? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, ten, ten game, nine game win streak snapped, but uh, you know, you can't, uh, you can't ask for everything, right? Hey, you know, uh, you're, you you can't ask for everything, but you can kind of ask for better umpiring, right? And I'm not going to blame. <laughs> Today's loss on the umpiring, but, um, you know, like Cora said uh, after he got ejected, you know, there's two massively blown calls that have gone against the Red Sox. Maybe you could kind of give us some color on that a little bit. I mean, yeah, I I, I, I don't know really what to tell you beyond the MLB's replay system is 
you know, massively broken. And mostly yeah, because they that was, set that it was up six in a, inches. In a, that was six yeah, inches it's today. Just ridiculous. So they, they set it up in about the worst possible way. And I'm a person who believes in instant replay. Like, I, I think, you know, it, it's ridiculous that you can watch something on television and know that the, the officials in any given sport got a call wrong immediately after seeing it, and they can't change it. You know, the only people who don't have access to the best information are the people making the decisions. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, Major League Baseball has set up a system where – the, you know, the, the umpires on the field all have to run off the field and put on their little headsets and stand there and talk to each other. I, I, don't, I don't even know what they're doing, but it, it doesn't seem complicated. Like, have somebody who knows the rules up in a booth somewhere who can immediately signal them and say, no, sorry, that's wrong. We're going to, you know, we're going to change that. But they don't do it that way. And, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't have any insight into you know, Rob Manfred uh, or, or the people running Major League Baseball, why, why they would change it at this point, even though it's, uh, it's clearly a, a bad and broken system. You know, guys, I think it has a lot to do with the umpires' union. Um, I, I heard Ron Darling mention this after last week's horrific call um, in the uh, Mets-Marlins game, which went against the Marlins and actually decided the game. Um, Ron Darling said that he felt that MLB did not want to, they want to try as hard as possible not to go against the umpires. And sure that's, right. that's, that's kind of the yeah. leading motivation. Then you're really not about getting it right or wrong. You're about feelings and not hurting any feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to add to that. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just Rod Darling's thought. And I was like, you know what? If he's right, that's crazy. You know, Gino? Yeah, it's it's a broken system. You're just better off having a system where you're going to get it completely right and take as long as possible and make sure that there's checks and balances or none. Plain and simple. It's just the system that's broken, and it's kind of in, in all sports right now. It's and it's uh, the, the games are, are taking even a little longer. But the Red Sox fan don't mind long games, um, Matt, when they're winning. And uh, the Red Sox have had a great week and a half so far to start. Um, Mike and I were talking uh, a, a little before uh, you came on, and I think the the big question with uh, the Red Sox and uh, and a hot start like this is. You look at their team, and I think coming into the year, um, we could all have major question marks about their pitching staff. And so that's the the thing I guess we have to wonder about. Is the pitching staff going to be able to hold up? Now, they're not you know, pitching in some unsustainable way. They're not like a top one or two uh, staff so far. They're, they don't have numbers that seem um, like they can't continue to hit. What do you think overall? Um, can this team as a whole now sustain it? Because the offense, I'm not really worried about. I, if they're a top five offense in the league, that's not going to surprise me at all. It's always going to come down to, I think, their pitching staff. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the thing that concerns me about any pitching staff, but but about this one in particular is health. So, you know, you've got, you know, Nathan Eovaldi at the top of the rotation, and he's never been a guy who's been healthy for long stretches of time. Obviously, Eduardo Rodriguez is, is you know, the best currently healthy major league pitcher, which excludes Chris Sale. Um, and, you know, he had, uh, you know, COVID and myocarditis, the you know, heart inflammation last year and missed the entire season, um, you know, uh, uh, Garrett Richards, another guy not really known for uh, you know, being healthy and staying on the mound for long stretches of time. 
but I think you're right. You know, on the whole, they, they pitch really, really well. Um, you know, if you go by, uh, you know, Fangraph's war, which isn't necessarily the greatest pitching stat indicator, I, I think, but is a good, quick, and dirty one. They have, uh, before today, they had a top four uh, pitching staff in baseball. And I, I think, you know, we've probably seen that um, on the whole. They really only had one disaster start at all. Um, they haven't really had any bullpen blowups. Um, and, you know, for the most part, they've, I, I think the starting pitching has been. I, certainly not spectacular, but really, um, I, I think solidly above average. And and if they can continue to get that, um, you know, then then they're going to uh, they're going to have a lot of success. I mean, there's you know there's there's some guys on the on the team. You know, you can you can look at uh, you know, the starters and, and kind of go, well, you know, uh, Pavetta's walking a ton of guys, and um, you know, Evaldi strikeouts are down, and uh, you know, you can sort of start nitpicking a little bit here and there. Uh, but, uh, you know, they have a lot of depth. They're not asking too much out of the starters. You know, we've seen that over the last couple of days where guys have gone about five innings or so and then have, uh, you know, have come out and the bullpen comes in. And I think it's, I think one thing that a lot of analysts missed on, um, with this team is, is the bullpen. So I, I don't want to jump ahead of you guys, but, but I think that's, no, been yeah, a, please. Uh, that, that, that's been a, a, a difference maker so far, you know, considering, Considering last year, you know, I mean, obviously last year, <laughs> last year is its own thing, um, and uh, the sooner that we forget about it, the better. But, um, <laughs> but there's a lot of guys on this team now who are who are really different than than, uh, than last year, and and that's you know that's for the better. There's there's a lot more talent and there's a lot more depth, and I think that was really the watchword of the off season is accumulating as much depth as possible in the pitching staff, um, and just. Uh, you know, I mean, you can you can have guys who have bad seasons who get hurt, and you know, start to then you start to cycle through them. And I, I think there's, you know, there's some potential candidates for that. You know, I, I think Nick Pavetta's pitched fine for the most part. Like I said, too many walks, but but other than that, I think he's pitched pretty well. Clearly, he's got good stuff. But if you know he reverts to Phillies Nick Pavetta, you can DFA him. Um, you can move him to the bullpen. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can bring up a guy like Garrett Whitlock. You can get starts from Matt Andreessy. Obviously, Tanner Houck is in, you know, whatever triple-A limbo that, <laughs> that exists in baseball right now. Um, and that's just, you know, three guys um, who could step in and, and, and make starts. There's also Connor Seabold and previously uh, Brian Mata, who's now apparently going to have Tommy John surgery. So that ship has sailed, at least for this year. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, it's, an accumulation of, of improved talent and also um, a, a lot more depth on the pitching staff. And that's been, that's been a big, uh, you know, big step forward to me this year. Yeah, I don't want to leave that point just yet, especially when it comes to the bullpen, because, you know, going into the season, you know, some people just from name recognition may have thought, you know, Adam Adovino is the guy, uh, hasn't fared so well, has been hit hard, uh, short sample size, well, five games he's entered in, and, uh, you know, the numbers don't look very pretty. But when you look at guys like Sawamura, uh, Darwin's and Hernandez, and then ultimately Matt Barnes, and the eye-popping number for Matt Barnes is seven innings pitched, 14 strikeouts, no earned yeah. runs. He's got a K to nine inning ratio of 18. He's got to be probably amongst the tops in the league for anybody who's pitched, you know, uh, more than five innings or something like that. Maybe, I guess there's 
yeah, I don't think there's a starter that's come in, would have had to uh, strike out 16. We haven't heard of that so far. So what what are your just quick thoughts on, on that trio, that trifecta of relievers in particular? I really like what I've seen out of Sawamura. And, you know, if you just look at his numbers, they don't really jump out at you. Um, you know, the strikeouts are not up. He has walked a number of guys. He gave up a really long home run to uh, Miguel Sano today. But that was the first run he's given up. And I, I think he's pitched really effectively. I, I think the uh, strikeouts are going to move up. Um, you know, he's got that 95-mile-an-hour split-finger pitch, which is just kind of crazy to me, um, just sort of drops. And I think once he starts to get a better handle on, uh, you know, on, on this is his first year in, in the majors uh, after coming over from Japan, um, you know, the ball's a little different. The, uh, the expectations are, are a little different. Um, you know, his role is a little different. So I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to, to move into those things. But I've been encouraged by, by what I've seen from him. Uh, yeah, Barnes has been electric. Um, the, the danger with, with Matt Barnes is that he throws a lot of balls. He throws a lot of pitches outside the strike zone. And so he relies on guys swinging and missing um, to have success. And he's managed to do that. Um, I'm going to have a piece actually up uh, on Sox Outsider in the near future about him and, and, uh, and the difference between you know, what he's doing differently this year and, and in his career in the past. Because he's a free agent at the end of the year, and if he pitches like this, he's going he's gonna to cash in. He's, uh, he's been definitely the best reliever that, the, you know, that, that Boston has, uh, you know, in, in the pen and, and a true difference maker. Hey, Matt, before we let There's you go, guy. I have a, two sorry. quick questions. Oh, I'm sorry? Oh, I, you uh, I was going to say two, I, two I, very quick questions for you. One yeah. uh, about the Orioles, but before we go there, J.D. Martinez, do you think there's a lot of truth oh, yeah. to the fact that his bounce back, everybody keeps saying that it's attributable to uh, being able to, you know, watch video in the manner that were they were not able to do last year where they're able to block out catcher signs and all that good stuff, allowing these guys to be able to have access to that. I mean, we're talking about a big league hitter. Does the video really, really make that big of a difference? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I, okay, so Martinez is a guy who um, apparently he's always fighting himself on his, his hitting mechanics, according to him. Now, he's not exactly you know, your, your preternatural hitting talent, as great as, as he is, right? He's not a guy who just steps, sets foot on the field and you know, he's not Manny Ramirez or, or, or whatever, um, he's a guy who has to work at it constantly to, to stay in the right spot physically um, to have success you know, in, in the batter's box. So I, I believe that there is something to that. I also believe that, well, two other things really. One is there, there's a mental part of it, right? A big part about hitting is confidence and feeling comfortable. And if he knows that he's, you know, he doesn't have access to that information and that bothers him, then that, that can play into it, whether, whether he's actually fixing anything with the, with the video or not. Um, and the, the other thing is 2020 was such a mess in so many different ways. You know, the spring training started and then it stopped. And then we had this abbreviated, you know, summer school or whatever they called it for a couple of weeks. And I, I think it was really hard on a lot of guys. I mean, we saw a lot of star players have a lot of really bad seasons. Um, you know, Chris Bryant, uh, Javier Baez, uh, obviously, Martinez uh, Devers had a had a really rough start of things um, last you know, last season. So I 
I think it's probably a combination of, of all those things. Um, but I, I do think that he is J.D. Martinez, and, and there's, you know, I think you can throw 2020 out. I think, I think we have enough information to say that, you know, he's, a, he's an all-star hitter, and, you know, he fits perfectly in the middle of the, uh, of the Red Sox lineup and makes them a lot better when he's there. Yeah, I wish we had a, a lot more time to talk about the job that Cora is doing, etc. But uh, a quick take uh, uh, for the road here. Are the uh, Yankees and Orioles going to be battling it out for last place? <laughs> <laughs> Going for this road. <laughs> is there any chance yeah, the Orioles finish above the Yankees? G- give me odds. Uh, no, there's no chance. There's no Zero chance, chance that that happens. That's kind of what I thought here. Okay, let our listeners know how they could follow you in uh, both Red Sox coverage and uh, and maybe even some Orioles talk. Sure. Uh, well, I have the Red Sox newsletter called Sox Outsider. Um, it's soxoutsider.substack.com. It's free. You can sign up, and it gets sent right to your inbox whenever I write anything. Um, so really the, the, best, the best bargain of the century there. Um, I have a, a similarly named podcast, the Sox Outsider Podcast, and that's on all podcast services, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. You can search for Sox Outsider and you'll find it. Um, and I write about the Orioles uh, once a week at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, and um, you, can, you can find me there real easily, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. There you have it, Matthew Corey, Sox Outsider. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it, Matt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Go Sox. Let's get to our final commercial, Gino, and we'll come back and wrap it all up. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing things up on the Mike Abadir Show, we had a lot of uh, Red Sox baseball talk because they have been 
uh, probably the most surprising team in baseball to start the year at nine and four. But uh, all around uh, Major League Baseball, some other teams uh, I thought worthy of discussing for either good or bad reasons. Um, uh, first off, I mean, got to give a shout out to the Dodgers who are uh, ten and two. Well, when when we're uh, talking, they haven't had played Thursday yet. They, they lost the opening game, and uh, and the other game they lost. They actually had the lead in the ninth inning. Um, they blew a save. It wasn't really like a bad blown save. And they ended up having 14 men left on base that day. Otherwise, they could very easily be 11 and one. And um, they're they're pretty just they they've done it for like they swept the Nationals in a series that uh, Mookie Betts and, and Bellinger didn't have one at bat. <laughs> and, That's crazy. Um, and uh, they are now first in batting average on base percentage, third in runs, fourth in ERA, fourth in WHIP. So just very solid. Uh, all well, you around. know what I told Pop the other day, Gino. I was like, the Dodgers are so good; it's almost boring. Yeah, it's not. I know <laughs> you what you know? mean. I know what you mean. They're just like, really, I, really good everywhere. I I got that thought in my head yesterday for a second because I was like, wow, they're like quietly ten and two, and I started to think, wow, it's almost like. But that's it gets dangerous when you think that way, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. sports are humbling, gambling, anything's humbling. Um, and uh, this is a team that is just built very well. They had a hot start. I don't think they're going to win 135 games like they're on pace to win right now. But uh, it's it's a very very nice way to start the season. Uh, Padres, as we expected, uh, have have that had a nice start to the year. They're up to nine wins. Also, they are nine and five. And that's without uh, their best player, who should be coming back Friday. I think this say. weekend because there's a yeah. big weekend series coming up. Padres Dodgers that should really be appointment viewing. I think both teams have kind of set up their staffs to. The Dodgers should have, uh, I believe, Kershaw, Bauer, and Bueller set up for this weekend. So um, that should be a ton of fun. Um, but here's a funny thing to me, by the way, about that division, which is kind of different. Two first place teams sitting in different situations between the Red Sox. They're dealing with a division that's underperforming in a big way. Yeah. Uh, but and then at West, you know, they're the, all, yeah, they're all playing. The Giants well. are kind of overperforming. You know, I think I know a thing or two about baseball. I can't explain the Giants, really. I just can't explain it. Can the you? Giants are one of those funny teams where um, when you look at some of the things they're doing well, you kind of scratch your head a little bit because they're, um, they're, they've probably hit a few more home runs than you would think. and uh, But they're not, like, great at anything. Um, like, the perfect example, like the Mariners. Uh, they won two games today. They're actually in first place in the American League uh, I know. West, and they're eight and five. Yeah. But they've got a, a negative eight run differential. They're three games over five hundred, and they've got a negative eight run differential. So they're they're fifteenth in batting average, thirteenth in runs scored, twenty third in hits, twentieth in home runs in in some of their uh, offensive statistics, and then their pitching stats. They're twenty fifth in ERA, twenty sixth in WHIP, and twenty second in opponent batting average. Like they don't do anything well, but they're eight and five. Yeah, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, and no. all I know is this: uh, I hope that this isn't a repeat of the uh, Miami Dolphins and the Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals for me, and that the uh, Royals were my top long shot, and my, the Mariners were my second long shot. Yeah, um, but but it's good but to see. Do you want them? I to like be... it when I see markets like that at least having hope. To start the year, yes, you'd rather right? have when you start off one and eleven or something like that. Done. Man, it's like it's over before it started. You and don't even sucks. have a shot, and yeah. so they they've given themselves an opportunity because the one thing we were very right about in the American League, it's wide open. 
There's no great teams at all in the American League. Boston has played very good so far, but there's no team that you look at and you go, top to bottom, they are like very well balanced. And you might be able to say that about two or three teams in the National League. Completely agree with you. I think uh, both the, the White Sox and the Twins, a little bit enigmatic. They should be yeah, a lot. Yeah, good. they're good. Regular. And they'll end up, they'll end up, we got to remember too, we're talking about a 162 game season that oh, yeah. we're not even 15 games into, but they are, they're a little better than they are. But I, but we saw this, like the Yankees are going to, they're going to move up. Uh, they're going to be a little bit better. The Astros will be okay. The, the Oakland starting to come back to life a little bit after their brutal start. I think they're up to five and seven now. So they're just going to be, I don't know how many hundred win teams we're going to have, if any, in the American League, and we might have two. And I think in the Amer- in the National League, too, a team that's pretty good and will probably start to win more games uh, is the Braves. They struggled a little bit early on. Um, kind of reminded me a little bit of the A's, and they were just uh, struggling and will probably come back to life a bit. But um, wide open American League, and your Royals are 6-4 and four before they played Thursday. They are uh, like middle of the pack in ERA, 15th. But uh, what's nice is they're getting on base uh, at a fine clip, like middle of the pack, 15th in on base percentage and 10th in batting average. So um, they they are, you know, sort of overachieving a little bit. Their pitching uh, staff isn't incredible. Whip and on base uh, uh, batting average against aren't, aren't fantastic. But they have are showing the signs of improvement this year. They're not bottom of the barrel in everything. Right, so that's great improvement for a team like them to start. Same thing, starts uh, through ten games, or you're over five hundred. You're not two and eight, and you're already saying we're done. Exactly right, and I think this team has a legitimate chance to be able to get to the eighty win mark, and I think that would be a big milestone for them. You know, keep in mind, absolutely, it wasn't that long ago that they were World Series winner. Uh, I can't remember all the details as to why they couldn't keep that all intact, but I think they also knew that they. They did. They spent what they had to spend in terms of prospects to be able to get that ring. I think it was worth it for them. They've retooled fairly quickly. Um, you know, once again, I'm not saying that they're this is completely sustainable or isn't sustainable, but I think that it's a realistic goal to be able to finish around the 500 mark. Uh, uh, quickly going to the National League, though. Well, I guess both leagues. It, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if the Red Sox and the Dodgers finish one, two. Uh, in either order in terms of runs scored. But there's no. a team that's inserted in there that is a little bit surprising, probably a lot of bit surprising, because their weakness was supposed to be the hitting. And I'm talking about the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds. The Reds yeah. and the Red Sox lead the major leagues with 75 runs scored, followed by the Dodgers, 68. I did not think that the Cincinnati Reds would be wedged between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. No, there. This was a team that that was their weakness, um, a massive weakness of theirs last year, and uh, a team that they couldn't is, even score a run in the playoffs. So, practically, you know what I mean? They, like it, it was hard for look, them. You know who they looked like last year? Uh, a team that this year is hitting one sixty-three as a team. One hundred and sixty-three is the team batting average. For the Chicago Cubs, Chris Bryant wow. is leading the team, hitting 243. You we weren't up, expecting good things out of them, but this I, I offensively, us, but this is just terrible because because the the expectations are they're not going to be very good with the pitching staff, but they still have got Baez, Rizzo, 
Chris Bryant. They brought in Jock, uh, Wilson Contreras. You know, they they're abysmal, abysmal. They have been just awful. I, I think I saw a stat that I don't know if it's still true, but through like eight games, the the batting average through for all of the National League pitchers was higher than the Cubs team average. That's unreal. Yeah. That's unreal. I mean, that's a pretty long slump. You know, granted, like you said, you know, when you're talking about baseball and you're talking about like 16 games, which we're not even there yet, it's equivalent of one NFL game in terms of what it means to your final standings uh, and win totals and that type of stuff. But even furthermore than that, you know, schedule and who you're facing and where you're playing and COVID especially in this day and age, have a lot to do with it. I would be fairly confident to say that a lot of teams that are playing very, very poorly are going to be playing better. And maybe some of the teams that seem to be overachieving will be playing yeah, a little worse. It's going to kind of even, even out. out over time, yeah. I think. You know. Yeah. Hey, Gino, in the few moments that we have left, less than two minutes here, I want to get your quick take on the Arkansas Derby and what it means bigger picture-wise for the three-year-olds and the Kentucky Derby and that whole picture, yeah. if you will. Essential quality is no doubt going to be the favorite. He's going to hands down be. He'll probably be like three to one, seven to two. He, he won't be probably shorter um, than that. I actually had a, um, a full-on like uh, hour conversation today with uh, Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires talking about this exact topic. We went through the entire field, what the, the field looks like, all the news for those horses, what we think their odds might be. Um, he He's uh, now the head honcho because Concert Tour was a little bit disappointing, so much so that Baffert has even said, He's going to wait about a week or so, see how he trains in the morning and, and figure out if there's anything wrong with him. Because if he would have run well, he would have maybe been the favorite. Um, so essential quality is no is the one to beat. And then there's going to be a tier of horses uh, behind him. You're going to have your Rock Your Worlds, who won the Santa Anita Derby. Hot Rod Charlie, who won the Louisiana Derby. You'll have, uh, you know, Highly Motivated, who was second in the Bluegrass behind him. He'll be right in that next mix, next tier of horses. Known agenda, Florida Derby winner. Um, but we won't have uh, like a, an eight to five favorite. It'll be three to one, seven to two because essential quality doesn't have any overwhelming figures. I know we only have about a uh, 20, 30 seconds left to go, but we will spend a lot more time over the next couple weeks as we are just a few weeks away now. Uh, Cause the Kentucky Derby this year is actually on the, uh, the first of May, whichever book CBS sports is uh, referring to as rock your world at 31 to one. Unreal. Yeah. I mean that, I mean that, uh, Talk about no shot. It'll that's be 10 all to 1 the time. Max. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the time we've got for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.